Hello and welcome to Tall Tales and... And, and Short Stories! You talked over me right as I... I tried to... I thought Welcome we to Tall Tales <laughs> and Short Stories. There we go. How's that Come better? On. Okay, we good? We good? <laughs> we good. <laughs> With Tim and Tony. I'm Tony. And I'm Tim. And we are going to go and drink vodka and fight uh, bears now. There lived a certain man. In Russia long ago, he was big and strong, and his eyes are flaming blue. Most people look at him with terror and with fear. But okay, that's enough copyright infringement. We were fine. <laughs> we were fine. Okay, that's enough of your terrible singing voice. Ah, oh. my heart. A stabbed in my heart. If you oh. don't know already, we are going to be taking this episode uh, and talking about Gregory Yef. Bovich Rasputant. Gesundheit. Si. <laughs> now it'd be da. Because we're going to Russia. Dummkopf. Oh, wait, that's German. Fuck! <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping this in. I'm keeping so, that in. That's funny. Rasputin, the, uh, the great holy man, slash sorcerer, slash madman, slash monk, slash... Pe- he had everything on his resume. Oh, yeah. Absolute powerhouse politically, culturally, in Russia, in his era. One could even argue power hungry. Power hungry. Definitely power hungry. There's no arguing there. Big time. In his era of the late 1800s up until, I believe, the tw- 19... Yeah, 1916, 17-ish. Yep, right when the fall of the... Right when the Russian Revolution happened. Still into today. Like, his legacy still lives on mm-hmm. with legends of how he died, how he came to power, his cults, his religion, everything. Oh, yeah. He was also your height, dude. Was he really? He's six foot four. All right. Well, well he was six foot four, and now well, he's six feet under. Six feet four under. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to talk about some of the history and the life of Mr. Rasputin. And then uh, we'll talk and talk about his uh, lovely followers that Tim has promised me is absolutely horrifying. So, well, not really followers, more like a group that he may have had association with. I'm gonna save all that for when we get to it. So, born January 22nd or January 10th in old style. I guess that's before some sort of calendar change. Yeah, before that went to committee. All right, so he so we're uncertain which. Oh, actually, hang on a second. Old style and new style dates would be the case there. Because you got you got the Julian calendar, which is yeah. what they do, and then the Gregorian calendar, which is what we follow. Of course, it Gre- Gregorian. Gregory. <laughs> Illuminati. <laughs> ah, those damn lizard folks again. I see them out there. Rasputin was a lizard. <laughs> Can't confirm now. <laughs> uh, born in January of 1869. Mm-hmm. Grigory Yefimovich Rasputin was born in, oh god, more Russian names, Polskoy near Tyumen, Siberia. And I looked it up on Google Maps. Nowadays, it's a 28-hour car drive oh. to Moscow. Oh, wow. So, from, he, so he's out in the Russian boonies. He is out in, he's out near me. He's out, he's out near my hometown. Basically. Let's see, where is that? Oh, okay, I had to look up where that was at. Wow. Yeah. That's not, like, out there, out there, but that's That's still, out there enough. That's out there enough, yeah. The, yeah, the human oblast. 
was the basically the right hand man to uh, Alexei Alexei Nikolovich, um, the hemophiliac heir to the Russian throne. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Anastasia, the last Russian princess Anastasia, was uh, heir to Nikolai or mm-hmm. Alexei Nikolovich. Mm-hmm. Everyone's Nicholas or Alexei. And well, Russia. Anastasia was daughter to Nicholas II. Was he? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so Alexei would be his, so his Alexei sister? would be his, yeah. Okay. They're all related. That actually is true. the The Romanov family was in power for centuries. Yes. But Rasputin was uh, the man behind the the curtains for a lot of that a lot of that time. He died at forty seven. Yeah. Wow. But he it is it was the. It would have to be the fact that he had such a he had such an air about him yeah. that he upset a lot of people. He had he had that cult leaderish air of arrogance and calm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, even looking from the pictures taken of him, nah, I'm 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 good. I'm not interested. You can you can definitely see like his eyes, like yeah. his eyes are very piercing. Yeah, and... like a doll's eyes. I've actually seen like colored photos. He had blue eyes. Really? Yeah, he had piercing blue eyes, that gaunt face, and then obviously one of the big, one of the obvious things that everybody associates with Rasputin, big the old beard. beard, a big the black, big old Russian beard, big old big old black beard. So he was the right hand man to the emperor mm-hmm. of the Russian Empire. This massively influential character in court in the empire itself almost around the world i would i dare say being in that time frame of the turn of the century Mm -hmm. man couldn't read a word out of a book completely illiterate ain't that amazing huh (laughs) that that caught me off guard i was reading through this i'm like wait what no what no earned the surname rasputin which translates in from russian to the debauched one Alrighty then. Yeah. If you had, I mean, everyone sort of knows the name Rasputin, knows, oh, you know, he died this way or this way or that way. And um, the Kingsman prequel was a pretty, I, I would say, kind of accurate depiction of him. I still have not seen it. It's pretty good. I, I need to. Oh. It's on my list. I know he's in it, and I've been told it's really good. Yeah. Was sexually active. As I have heard the stories. <laughs> I believe there's a story that his uh, Rasputin Jr. was like in, embalmed somewhere in a jar. And it was like a magnificent specimen uh, in and of itself. Yeah. From what I, stories I've heard. Yeah. Man, man was an interesting figure. Went into a religious or had a religious conversion at 18. Mm-hmm. Um, at the monastery at Verkhauter, sounds German, um, where he was introdu- introduced to the Kaleste, the Flagellants. That's sect. the group. That's the group. That's the group. That's the group. And I have a lot about them. Oh, God. Should okay. we go into them and then diverge back into the rest of his life? Or? Yeah, yeah, because they, they happen early. It, it is believed this happened early on in his life, like when he left the village to pursue. Yeah. To pursue a uh, priesthood. Well, how'd he get there? He couldn't read the signs. Probably had people show him around. And then he... Pr- and But I'll get to it. Well, if you'd like to take the member on this one. 
I can get a good grip. Alright. <laughs> Just don't suck at this. <clears throat> nah. Anyway. Anyway. So yeah, allegedly it is thought that Rasputin had ties to a group known as the Kleisti. Or the Kleists. Depending which one I did. The same, same group, by the way. They were an underground spiritual Christian group that split from the Orthodox Church back in 1645. And they lasted until the 1970s. Over 300 years. Well, to touch on how long they lasted, Rasputin perverted, how do you pronounce it? Kalisti? The Kalisti? Beliefs into a doctrine that one was nearest God when feeling holy passionlessness and that the best way to reach such a state was through the sexual exhaustion that came after prolonged debauch. I've actually That's got... how they lasted so long. They just uh... I've got more <clears throat> I've got more for that actually. Oh god. Yeah. Because the thing is, like Rasputin, this group actually does have mystery behind it. Because it actually has its own folklore due to different accounts of the foundation of the group as well as its name. Because it's either a corrupted version of what the group called themselves, which was Christi, or Christs. Okay. So Kleisties. Yeah. Or maybe because the Russian word for whip is also Kleist. Which is in reference to their self-flagellation, where they would whip their backs and bodies. I mean, if you can hire someone to do that for you. Have you ever seen uh, The Da Vinci Code? No. There's a, the, the main bad guy, I think his name is Silas. He is a monk played by Paul Bettany. He's an albino, and every time he kills somebody, he whips himself in his back. Hmm. And the makeup they did was really good. Like, you could see, like, the marks the and everything. Like, we're talking, like, he made himself bleed. Oof. I don't think Paul Bettany actually bled, but, like, the... That's what's self... The, the cosmetics it's, and the prosthetics. Yeah, it's it's penance. Your penance. It's penance for doing such a thing. Yeah. But, allegedly, in 1645, the were a, were founded by a runaway soldier and peasant named Danila Flipovich. Flipovich. Yep. Supposedly, he had a vision where the godhead appeared on a fiery chariot with the seraphim following him, and he was told that he was a Christ, a chosen one, and he was to lead a group of people towards God. You know, only he saw that, only he saw God, and he was told this. He, with this, with this revelation slash psychological, with the revelation and the psychological breakdown, he delivered a lot of commandments. And consider, this is again in the 1640s. Yeah. So, he was also a peasant. So, what are peasants? They are not uh, literate. So, he didn't... So, none of it. He did nothing. And, but he delivered multiple commandments from this divine revelation. Including abstaining from alcohol, sex, and swearing. So, well, we'd be out of the running for that place. Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. We would be out of there for we would be out of there on the day on day one. It's like, all right, everybody, now start singing. Shit, get out. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, hmm. you out too. But anyway, but anyway, this uh, this desire, this um, removal of desires would have made them ascetics, asceticism, which is denying your body for the sake of the soul. So they would fast for long periods of time. Oof. They would. Drink water on the occasion just because of it. But, like, they would otherwise not eat very much. They would barely sleep. Quite truly, it was... It was a cult. Yeah. It was a cult. By every means of the word. Especially because Filipovich, 
he decreed that only his teachings were the way, and that any successors after him, be it either his own children or people he appointed, they would be seen as living gods. They too would become Christ's leaders, chosen ones. Jeez. I mean, that's a good way to ensure yourself. In fact, he separated so much from the Russian Orthodox Church, he actually called for the renouncement of clergy, holy texts, and the veneration of saints. Except for the Holy Mother Mary. Because uh, people who were, uh, women who were mothers uh, of potential Christs could be seen as mothers of God. They had multiple Christs and multiple mothers of gods. So we have the woman's vote, hands down. Pretty much. <laughs> And with a lot of the, uh, a lot of this, a lot of the rituals and everything they did was kept secret and underground, usually being held in members' houses at night, for one thing. The rituals would be ecstatic, almost like, kind of makes me think of like some of those southern revival churches where they're just in the tents, going crazy, feeling mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit take over. These night, these rituals would usually happen around, you know, various feasting days. So that way they could eat. Wherein the Kleisties, they would strip nothing but an undershirt. Now think it over, though. It's not like a like our t-shirts nowadays. Yeah. It was like a tunic that went down past uh, past your knees. Yeah, so it was basically you're wearing a burlap sack. Yeah, that, like a burlap sack, an old like nightgown, something like that. Yeah. And they would dance and chant around madly until they claimed they could feel the Holy Spirit take over and just feel, you know, feel the power, feel this exhilaration take over. Once the ritual was complete, they would actually have a nice little meal of bread, nuts, pastries, and then a cereal beer called kvass. Well, again, cereal is like oats and everything, so it was an oat-based beer. Captain Budweiser. (laughs) But the thing is, much like Rasputin, Due to the underground nature of the Kleisties, rumors of wild orgies and other perversions came from outside sources. Which is very contradictory to the no-sex cursing or anything. Exactly. So people, <laughs> well, it's because they were underground and people didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. So it was just, they were, they were, and they got persecuted for hundreds of years because of this. In fact, there were even, they even, there were people who even made rumors and accusations that there was ritualistic infanticide. They would sacrifice babies for God and that sort of thing. That escalated quickly. Mm-hmm. Jesus. And like I said, they would be persecuted for these rumors and accusations. Yeah. Witch hunt, and yet, And yet somehow they would stick around for centuries, because it took them 300 years. It was not until the 1970s that they kind of just stopped. Like, because they were like small groups. Or so you think. Because they were like small groups outside of yeah. that, where nobody, um, where, you know. They used to have like over, I think, 100,000 people. They had a fairly sizable group. Jeez, yeah, but then, as sure. the centuries went on, everything sort of declined, and then they kind of just vanished. Especially after the wall fell, yeah, or the, just before the wall fell. Yeah. But how does Russia, how does Rasputin tie into all this? Like a lot of other stuff that we're going to get into with his life, it was mostly hearsay and rumors. Uh-huh. Like legitimately, and I'd mentioned how he was a. We, I mean, the way he looks is a pretty spooky-looking dude. Yeah, he's not... He, he's a Scooby-Doo villain. Big time. Is what and he looks like. He's a Scooby-Doo villain, and he... And it's the fact that he was probably definitely different than what a lot of Russians back then were used to. Yeah. So when you're different, what's going to happen? They're going to point fingers and then start saying crazy stuff. 
And when he they're, would... They're going to start saying stuff like, hey, can you reach that up there for me? I'm short. Hey. Okay. In the, ni- in the 1900s, and I get three different dates, like 1903, 1907, and 1910. Yeah. So we'll just say 1903 and 1907, Rasputin was actually investigated and accused of spreading Cleisty doctrine. But Which... nothing but nothing ever came of it because there was no evidence. Yeah. It was all hearsay. In fact, it was all just superstitious mudslinging. That yeah. was it. It was it was um oh god, the nineteen sixties communism communism scare. The red scare. The red scare. It was a lot like that. Very similar, just you don't look like us but it was you're just, a witch. But it was one dude. Yeah. It was just one dude. And the thing about it is his daughter Maria mm-hmm. Rasputin, she actually wrote, she actually co-wrote a book that alleges that he was a part of the group at one point, but grew disillusioned from the Cleisty. But at the same token, it there's still a whole lot of probably didn't. Yeah, there's still a lot of underlying maybes and maybe maybe not. Yeah, and that that's another thing. Like I said, he turned 18, went to this monastery, got introduced to this group. A year later, at 19, he gets married to a woman, and they end up having four children. Like, he led a ordinary-ish life. I mean, had a wife, had kids, had a job, I guess. Advisor to the king, or to the czar. Had a pretty cozy setup. But then he was also associated like we said, with this weird kind of cult, not not a really a cult underground movement yep. of people. And he ended up cranking it to 11 on some of the aspects of them, which I imagine is probably why they became disillusioned with him and vice versa. Yep. He took it to an extreme with some of the, just some of the aspects. But... I mean, with the sexual rumors of him and his his little guy. No, nah, that wasn't a little guy. No, that wasn't a little guy. No, if you're saying uh, that's a little guy, that's that's that is demeaning. He was a whole. He, he had a whole you under his tunic. <laughs> <laughs> I, wait, I'm compared to rest. I don't know if I, I don't know how to feel about that actually. <laughs> Too late. You left. Damn it. Obviously, marriage. He he wasn't a one woman man. Oh yeah, no. I've heard um, enough stories where he was an absolute womanizer wandered i don't know how you wander back in the 19 aughts and late 1800s wandered to mount athos which is i believe in greece maybe but wandered into greece into jerusalem just surviving off donations from people like hey come stay at our house for the evening traveling to jerusalem from russia like that you can't do that nowadays. Well, I mean, if you walked. You, I mean, you can, but there's probably some legal issues there. Well, yeah, you got to get the paper, got to have your papers, but traveling. The whole time he was claiming himself as a holy man, I assume probably regarding with the sect when they weren't dissolutioned with yep. each other. I mean, I could see that also as a thing, because um, back then, again, this is the 1900s, the churches. They had the churches, be it uh, Russian Orthodox, Catholic. They had major poll and hearsay, and uh, not hearsay, but just say 
yeah. over everything. So you could just say, I am a priest. I am here to, I am on a long journey, a pilgrimage, and I need to have a rest. People go, oh, he's a member of the cloth. He's fine. He can come on yeah. in. And then, and then he would uh, entertain the wives and daughters. <sighs> I imagine. Yeah. Oh, easily. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, Ru- yeah, Russians didn't have to worry about... Oh, shit. But that, we're out of the Cleasty again. <laughs> uh, that Mount Athos I uh, I mentioned. Yeah. Wonder what else? What other significance it has? Shoot. Mountain was discussed by Homer in the Iliad. No kidding. And you remember uh, that movie Three Hundred? Yes. That was uh, the mountain that that uh, little bottleneck was at that no, the Spartans defended. No kidding. Yeah. That's awesome. Anyway, yeah, I just... I just nice little yeah, sidetrack right there. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was. Oh, damn it, I just lost my place. But you got to see, I know he's, he's, on a, he's, like, he's on a pilgrimage from Russia to Athos to Jerusalem. And it's like he probably did have like a horse or something to get I him. Meant, yeah, and well, I mean, Russia, he probably had a bear. It's <laughs> Russian bear, it know how to go. It gets 15 horsepower. Doesn't make sense. If you feed it 15 horse, it gets 15 horsepower. Da. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he was just a wandering holy man for this sect of weird, they have sex, but they also don't have sex group. Yeah, I mean, not to, well, not that I care, but he was a leader. I mean, he was a cult leader. Oh. And he was just recruiting. He was doing his recruiting system. I could I easily feel. see that. But yeah, I know I keep interrupting your, your discussion about the Khaleesi's. Nah, that's all I had. Okay. Yeah, because um, it's, it's, uh, their stuff, like Rasputin, it's all rumors and circulation. Yeah, it's that's all... It. That's it. It's all he said, she said, the Tsar said. Well, not the Tsar. Nicholas II was big friends with... Um, yeah. Was big friends with and Rasputin. And that friendship started in uh, 1903 when his wanderings took him to St. Petersburg. Um, he is welcomed by Theopan, inspector of the Religious Academy of St. Petersburg, and Hermogen, bishop of Saratov. The court circles, so the higher-ups, like every other conspiracy theory, at that time were entertaining themselves by delving into mysticism and the occult. And here comes this six-foot-four blue-eyed bear beard man. Bear of a man. Essentially. That came just from a cult. Introduced himself and said he had extraordinary healing talents. Mm-hmm. Because, of course you would. Because, well, me, it comes in and says, yeah, I have the power to heal and claims that the Holy Spirit works through him. Exactly. So he spent a couple years sort of schmoozing up to the court. <laughs> you have a look of wonderment. I have eyes. a, I just realized something. Rasputin, Rasputin is, he is, he is the Russian version of one of those Southern faith healers who is like, come fall brothers and sisters and lays hands upon them. That is what he is. And it just finally dawned on me. So he's Russia's Joel Osteen? Nah, he's a prosperity preacher. They're a different story. Anyway, (laughs) I'm going to keep that opinion to myself. Yes. So, uh, a couple years, he's schmoozing himself into the inner circles of the Russian court and the Russian royalty. 
Finally, two years later in 1905, he's introduced to the royal family. And then, so he starts becoming buddy-buddy with them. Yes. The healing thing with the hemophiliac um, Alexi. Yes. Yeah. Smoozing up, making himself an asset to them. Pretty damn smart for not being able to read. In 1908, he was summoned to the palace during one of the czar's son's bleeding, hemophiliac bleeding episodes. Which, I don't know how you have an episode of that. That just sounds... Well, it may have been like a nick or something. Yeah, and it just... Okay. Just kept on going. Rasputin allegedly succeeded in easing the boy's suffering through his hypnotic powers. Uh, upon leaving the palace, I'm, I'm just imagining in dramatic fashion, whirled around with his coat or his cloth, warned the parents that the destiny of both the child and the dynasty were irrevocably linked to Rasputin himself, mm-hmm. setting in motion his allegiance or his closeness to the family for over a decade. And it, obviously, if you're that close with someone in that kind of power, you kind of worm your way into the state of affairs and how mm-hmm. daily stuff happens. Of oh, course. yeah. And even potential, and even potentially, uh, was friends with the queen. That's yeah. That was another thing I was going to touch on. While he was in the presence of the family and the inner courts, fell into the humble and holy peasant. You know, the I came from nothing, but I have magical powers, sort of thing. Yeah, humble beginnings and all that. The humble beginnings, but as soon as he stepped outside the court. You know, into the local, what do Russians call a bar? Tavern? Pub? Whorehouse? Brothel? Yeah. Once he, once he stepped outside of the palace and out of the circles of the higher-ups, that old Khaleesi energy came back. Allegedly. Allegedly. Preaching that fiscal... This man is brilliant in the worst ways. All right, you have my attention. Preaching that physical contact with his own person had a purifying and healing effect. Is that what they're calling it now? I believe Eminem has some lyrics like that. <laughs> that's what that's what Rasputin's calling it. If you touch my person, you'll be healed. That's what they call it. Um, acquired mistresses, obviously. Oh, attempted yeah. to seduce many other women. When accounts of Rasputin's behavior reached the ears of Nicholas, the czar, refused to believe anything was happening other than he was a holy man and he was helping. Oh, my buddy is going around at whorehouses and causing a stir? No, no way, I can't believe it. I absolutely refuse to believe it. Nicholas, this is what we call toxic friendship. You have to smack him across the head and go, Bad Rasputin, no. Now sit in the corner and think about what you did. Well, funny you should say go sit in the corner. Oh, oh. Rasputin's account accusers found themselves, oddly enough, transferred to remote regions of the empire or entirely removed from their positions of influence. All right, so they were removed to the corners of Russia. To the gulags, I imagine. Uh, what would become the gulags. Yes. Yeah. Because gulags didn't be... Gulags Proto-gulags. Really a... Proto-gulags. 19, by 1911, so probably three, four years into his... Association, Quite possibly the best decade that he ever had. Yeah. His general scandalousness became general knowledge, general whereabouts. Yeah. 
the Prime Minister Stolypin sent the Tsar a report on Rasputin's misdeeds, and as a result, the Tsar finally snapped out of this toxic friendship and expelled Rasputin. But return or uh, the Queen, there we go, had him returned within a matter of months. <laughs> and Nicholas realizing, don't want to piss the wife, you know, happy wife, happy castle, mm-hmm. palace, and the worries that Rasputin would be the only one able to save his son from the hemophiliac episodes. Chose the lesser of two evils and kept the uh, whoring monk all around. And that definitely sat so well with the Russian nobles. Of course. And now we get to 1915, the pinnacle of Rasputin's power. All right. This is where we're going to get the good stuff. During World War One, Nicholas II, I believe that would be the hemophiliac son from prior. Alexei? No, Nicholas the mm, second. No, that's the that's the czar. Okay, that's okay. There's a lot of names. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we'll work through. Well, them. No, we have a lot of people. We just have like three names. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, n- yeah. Nicholas, Alexei, Rasputin. That's yeah. a lot of names. <laughs> Five. All right. Yeah, whatever. But anyway, uh, Nicholas the uh, second took personal command of his forces in September of that year and went on. Went with his troops to the front, leaving Queen Alexandra in charge of Russia's internal affairs. And Rasputin's there. Yep, so there's pl- that is where all where, the rumors started. Where Rasputin served as her personal advisor. Mm, per- <laughs> personal in more ways than one. <laughs> nudge, nudge, sex. Rasputin's influence ranged all over from the appointment of church officials, mm-hmm. which, that's way too much power, to the selection of cabinet ministers, usually incompetent idiots. Much like today. Ah, oh, God. So he legitimately was just filling the cabinet with his own people mm-hmm. who would not turn against him. It was Who would stroke his own person. Yep. And he intervened in military matters at Russia's expense. Oh, God. Wow. <laughs> so, I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of the queen. Do you really want to? Not really, no. Because <laughs> it's like six foot four you and dressed in drag is the queen of Russia. And then in comes hey, Rasputin. you don't know what I do on Saturday night. Shut up. You know what? I'm not going to argue. <laughs> I always suspect that when we were roommates, but you know what? <laughs> Hey, that clip-clop wasn't high heels. Okay there, Catherine the Great. Um, anyway, that... <laughs> Another well, Russia joke. We'll definitely edit that one out, <laughs> Tim. Yes, I could, I'm, I could not resist. Anyway. Uh, the military matters that you... Why would you give an illiterate monk that said he was a holy man power over the military? What do you think... I don't know what you would expect. An army for God? An army for God? Or just... They're over there. Just go over there. What strategy? Let's not do that. Who's... who's uh, What is the art of war? I don't understand this. Yeah, Nicholas was not a good military figure. No, he was not. And Rasputin was worse, apparently. <laughs> oh, lordy. But in his defense, he was strongly... He was an extremely strong opponent for anyone that opposed the autocracy, or obviously himself. 
So he sort of reached his pinnacle in 1915 with commanding arm commanding armies he shouldn't be commanding, appointing officials he shouldn't be appointing, intercoursing queens, high but, life. Huh. At this point, he was having a high life. And then in 1916, the assassination attempt started. Shocker! Right. Oh, shocker! A uh, holy man who was power-hungry is now being target. targeted by some very pissed-off people. Give you a guess. Who do you think some of those people might have been? I'm going to assume nobles, because they a lot of them got kicked out of their stations under Rasputin's influence. Prince Felix Yusupov, hub, husband of the Tsar's niece, Vladimir Pushke, Pushkevich, a member of the Duma, which is basically a royal council, if I remember correctly from, from yeah. history, and Grand Duke Dmitry Pavlovich, the Tsar's cousin. One, your own family yeah. is willing to... When your own family is saying, all right, enough, we've got to kill this guy... That's saying something. So, those three, uh, and I assume a few others, because you had to have hen uh, henchmen and underlings. Oh, easily. Formed a conspiracy to eliminate Rasputin and save the monarchy from further embarrassment. I can already imagine that a lot of women were like, Please don't do that! We love him! And it's I like, have his baby! That wouldn't surprise me, because I think he had his daughter, obviously, Maria. And then I think he had two others that for sure were his... So he had three kids in total. Four. Four kids. Four kids, legitimate from his wife. Aha. Uh -huh. And then everything and, else. And is... then he may have had a bunch of bastard children. He he might have a little bit of a Genghis Khan complex. Not nearly as much as Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan, though, I'm, we're we'll not not. Get That's into a that. whole other story. That's a big time other story. I don't think he was um, on the level of Genghis Khan, but. So on the nights of December twenty ninth or thirtieth. Haven't been able to really narrow narrow it down to an exact one. Because it's usually like around midnight or whenever when yeah. this stuff happens. So it's right there at that cusp. Rasputin was invited to visit Yusupov, husband of the Tsar's niece, mm -hmm. to Yusupov's, Yusupov's house. And this is where it sort of goes into the tall tales and story part of it. And this is definitely sort of a... And I do know a little bit about this. This is some very like slapstick-esque it's very three stooges who's on first yeah very sketch comedy like big, snl could have a good bit on this big time but here's where it begins according to the legend once there he was given poisoned wine and tea cakes mm -hmm. didn't kill him freaking the hell out obviously you suppose shot him mm -hmm. multiple times our spoon finally collapsed then got back up and ran out of the house. Yes. Bleeding from all the wherevers. Mm -hmm. Got into the courtyard and then was tackled, beaten with sticks, iron bars, whatever people could grab. Yeah. And then he was uh, drowned. Yeah. Actually, before he was drowned... And I know this one because I've read it so many freaking times. His his person was cut off. Yes, he was. Yes, he was castrated. He and not the not even a, no anesthetic. No, you know whole. Well, bait, I mean, whole, yeah, poison wine. So maybe. whole bait and tackle. Yeah, and then he was drowned. So beaten, shot, mangled, 
unicted, yep. unicted, drowned, still didn't die. And I think I've heard legend that he was also dragged behind a carriage, or at least his dead body was. Yeah. So, again, like you said, just slapstick after slapstick of things just happening. But where it does come into back into reality, the conspirators then bound and threw him through a hole in the ice into the Neva River, where he finally died by drowning. But the subsequent autopsy largely refuted this account and saying he was shot to death. Yeah, with a bullet to the head was the main thing. It was three shots. I did some looking. It was three shots. The two in the chest definitely could have easily missed. Like, if you missed the right spot. You can hit someone in the shoulder and not kill him. But I've also heard that the shot to the head didn't kill him. And that's when he actually... Yeah. He was out in the courtyard, got shot, then got beaten, got back up, and then got drowned. And then was thrown in the water, drowned, even allegedly was there was like ice under his nails trying to get out of the water. Mm-hmm. But again, that is all, again, it, it, the skeptic in me is coming out in this one. And it yeah. is definitely like this was all hearsay and stuff that happened after because he was dead in 1916, like near the end of 1916, beginning in 1917. Yeah. And. He, and when you have a when you have a legend around your name, as much as he did, he be, from what I can tell, just thought of it. He became a boogeyman. Yeah, he became a boogeyman to Russia mm-hmm. because shortly thereafter, the last the monarchy fell. Yeah, the monarchy fell. And the Russian Revolution took over. Yeah, and it was actually um, because of his murder, Queen Alexandria basically doubled down on her resolve to keep the principle of autocracy mm-hmm. around being czar's queen. Uh, Monarchy. Czar-S. Tsarina. Tsarina. And keep that going. And then like three weeks later, shit went down. Yes. And that's when the entire Tsar family was executed by... Well, they weren't executed immediately. Yeah. They were taken to, but, I think, a hunting lodge but and kept there. the rebellion... The yes. upheaval, the revolution, all that. That's when the Russian Revolution happened. Mm-hmm. So, so one, Rasputin had some sway. So it's even argued. Well, the thing it was a bunch of people who were upset with the monarchy as well. Yeah. So and, it, one could even one could even argue that uh, Rasputin's death was the cause of the Russian Revolution because people may think that it was a curse. Yeah. Like, he cursed the land, and once he was dead, everything went apart. And em- Empress of Russia. Uh, Empress, Empress Alexandria. Okay. When the Tsar was away at war for World War One, yep. while she was in control, leaned on Rasputin and was relying on mysticism and occultism and all this mystical things mm-hmm. for solace, waiting for her husband... And then trying to also rule an entire empire. Which I could easily see that being distressful because this is back in the nineteen this is back in nineteen sixteen. Yeah. They don't have instant messages. Mm-mm. They would they, if if Nicholas had died in battle, she wouldn't hear about it until at least maybe a month. Maybe let maybe, you know, at least a few weeks at most. Yeah. And she wouldn't hear anything for weeks. Then she comes back saying, Oh yeah, and then, you know, messenger comes by and says, Yes, he has been shot dead. Uh, yeah, so, and I mean, after World War One, everything else that happened, 
with the revolution, the League of Nations happening much in after the Second World War, and basically empires crumbling after the World War One end. You know, the Byzantine or not the Byzantine, the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. Um, the Russian Tsar Empire. All these things came crumbling down. And I believe, I, I mean, I would go as far to say that the mysticism and the occultism of the past in the old era fell way to the new era of revolution and democracy and all these other systems of government that felt, at the time, superior. Mm-hmm. I feel like Rasputin was just just the catalyst that was needed. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, Russia's all Russia has sort of been behind on a lot of things. Yeah. Historically, like, this is not a jab at Russia. This is just speaking historically for... Because for the longest time, Russia was still in the Dark Ages until uh, Peter the Great, one of the czars of Russia, he traveled from... He, he traveled throughout all of Europe, and he even told his men, all right, don't look conspicuous. Yet, he was like six foot two, six foot three. He was a tall, well-structured Russian who just... Who had all of his bodyguards with him, and at one point he even went to like an autopsy, like a, like they would do live autopsies for medical students. Yeah, and if one of his men um, fainted or grew sick, he would go, "Nope, you're getting your head in there." Like he would outright like oh. if they were gonna go with him, they had to be tough. And then he would take oh, out. then he would take a lot of his findings from his trips throughout Europe and bring them back to Russia to bring Russia out of the Dark Ages into a more modern era. Yeah. And then Russia was... Russia still had an empire and everything. Yes, England still has a queen, but she's more of a figurehead for the church. She doesn't yeah. really have the and power anymore. For church and for historical purposes. Yeah, it's just that. Just the pageantry. Yeah. But Russia, they had an actual, like, monarch in power. Mm-hmm. The mo- monarchies don't really last. And no. This one for and this one for sure didn't. Once the Russian Revolution happened, that was it. But one thing can be said with Rasputin, though, he had such a legacy, going from a trouble-causing peasant child who was illiterate to one of the most influential, possibly power-hungry, possibly one of the most evil men. Again, this is allegedly because, for all we know, he may he may have just been sex may have been a sex addict. And, I mean, he may have thought that he was doing good. Exactly. But we'll never know because he was shot dead and he had a lot of people who hated him, who mudslinged him, who just, who, with their own power and influence, because it was a lot of nobles that mm-hmm. hated him, they were able to, and with the, and obviously with, you know, the czar out of power, they were able to spread all these lies about Rasputin for years and that eventually just muddied his image. Like, one of the first times I remember ever hearing about Rasputin and thinking, this guy is an evil, evil person, was the 1990s, I forgot what year, animated movie, Anastasia. Uh, 98? 98, 97. 97 yeah. It was a Don Bluth cartoon, so it was, yeah. it was a traditional. It was a non-Disney. Yes, which is why it was able to get as dark as it did with Rasputin, who was played by Christopher Lloyd, of all people. So he had a fantastic time. Yeah. And this Rasputin, he is dre- they have him dressed in, you know, the, cl- the stereotypical monk robes, the big brown hooded robe 
Not right. like the cassock, which is what most priests actually do wear, is the cassock. And he has this reliquary that he set, that he gives, he legitimately sacrifices his soul for this reliquary that controls dark forces. He made a deal with the devil, yeah. essentially. And with his power, he was... In this one, in this, he tries to grab Anastasia as she's running away with her grandmother, the Dowager Empress... But he winds up he winds up falling through a hole in the ice and and drowning mm-hmm. instead of getting shot. They made him more nefarious. Yeah, they definitely villainized him a lot more for purpose of for being the, a movie. But it's like the, but that right there is why um, is the power the influence from the rich people making from the nobles saying that he was a monster. It became it became part of a pop culture. Mm-hmm. And heck, you and I both have watched Hellboy. Yep. The main bad guy is Rasputin. Yep. Who, who claims to have made a deal with an eldritch being mm-hmm. that was taking over his body, trying to bring the Ogdru Jahad into our world. And then the Kingsman prequel. Yes. That I know you haven't watched. He was... That was probably the most entertaining depiction of him. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't violently evil he he was part of like um this one of those illuminati-esque sort of groups yeah where he was an underling he wasn't even the top wrong that's saying something but the way they depicted him i feel is probably the the funniest way because he f- was fighting the uh kingsman guys the father and son spy duo and their assistant and he was doing the the stereotypical, you know, the crouching... The Russian the dance. The Russian dance. Sword fighting against these three guys and wiping the floor with them. That's awesome. And they d- touched on his sexuality. Um, they were actually using the sun as bait to lure him away so they could poison him with tea cakes and wine. Mm-hmm. And a, a nod to the historical. Yeah. They shot him, I think, three, four times. And they tr- they tried to drown him in the river, and Rasputin turns it on the father and starts drowning him. Uh-huh. So all those things are touched on with the character, and I think the female her- the heroine of it, the female agent, ends up shooting him in the head. Nice, and that and just straight up like he's got the three guys on the floor just wiped, and he's just standing there like this is all you have. Boom. Right in the forehead. Ah. I was like, and he just like, uh, and falls over. Nice. And that's it. Like, that's the end of him. They don't say anything more about him. But I think he was probably the most entertaining variant of Rasputin. Yeah. He's appeared in a bunch of, uh, like, Rasputin has had such a massive uh, impact on pop culture. Because, I mean, earlier to de- earlier in this um, earlier in this episode... I was singing the song by Boney M called Rasputin, which recounts a brief moment, a brief uh, explanation of who he was. And I didn't even know that song existed until like a bunch of TikTok videos were using it as background noise. And I was like, there's even a metal band that does a cover of it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's it's a pretty catchy song, not gonna lie. Oh yeah, it is. It, It is... It is definitely one of those. I'm just like, okay, I can get it out of my so, head. I, I mean, 
And then there's other there's other songs about it. There's I think a, there's I think an actual like a band called Ra Ra Rasputin. Yeah. Or there's a song. There are uh, other depictions I've seen him in. He appeared at the end of an episode of Billy and Mandy, where oh, I haven't heard that show. Where uh, it was the episode where Billy had the spirit of Lord Byron mm-hmm. trying to tell him how to be a gentleman or whatever. And then at the end of it, Mandy, uh, how they got the spirit in the first place was they sucked on Grimm's head on the back of his skull. Yeah, I remember And then that. she has three spirits pop out. Genghis Khan, Conqueror. Rasputin, who in this one, he's got like a, he's got like a dagger through the head and a, a gunshot and a dagger through the stomach. Mm-hmm. And then Abe Lincoln. And she's like, okay, Genghis Khan and Rasputin, you talk. Abe Lincoln, get the chips. <laughs> Because it's Mandy. She yeah, was. She's a dark little evil child. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think Rasputin. No, no, he didn't. I was thinking Rasputin appeared in the uh, Night at the Museum movies. He didn't. That was Ivan the Terrible. Yeah, that would be a good subject. Ivan the Terrible. Oh, he's got plenty. Or Vlad the Impaler. Oh, that would be a good one. But uh. So, my question for the end of this episode, I, how far in are we? Oh, we're about 52, epi- 52 minutes. This will okay. be a short episode. Yeah, this will be a shorter one. I think our, I think our historical episodes definitely like, are more historical-based, like, focused on. Yeah. Because there's... There's sources. There's sources. There's not as and much speculation. Yeah, it's not as much speculation. And there's not, like, a bunch of stories that so, come up. If you could ask... If you could go back and interview Rasputin... What would be one question you'd want to ask him? Ah, I've never thought of asking. I never thought of that question. Never thought of doing that. What would you do? Yeah, but here, what would you do? <laughs> I, I honestly, I was hoping you might have an answer. Um, I would probably, I mean, besides asking how he got that magnificent beard, um, he grew it. All right, well, smart ass. That's what I did with mine. Um, I would probably just ask his thoughts on the the Khaleesi group he was a part of. Mm, I would actually do the same. I would I would be curious. I would be curious. I would say, I actually, I would be. Were you a part of the Khaleesi group? Like, I would want to know. I really would want to know, like, what a lot, even if it's personal life, I would love to know what his life was like. Yeah. Beforehand to debunk a lot of I, I would, the myth behind the man. I would want to know, like, was he power? Like, did he believe he was like a demigod? Did he, was he just power hungry? Well, I mean, that's uh, what was his ambition? What was his goal yeah, for it? That would be another good one too. So I would want, cause I want to dispel a lot of rumors. Cause yeah. For again, all we know, he could have been doing stuff out of the actual benefit for Russia. Yeah, and just sucked at it. Yes, and then a bunch of nobles came by, and then a bunch of nobles got pissed off and said, no, he's the devil, he's a boogeyman. I mean, if you sleep with enough of their wives, yeah. Mm, Anybody will get upset about that, unless they're swingers. And that, and the crazy... (laughs) (laughs) Call me off guard there. (laughs) Yes! Alrighty. The craziest thing about this is all that stuff he... I mean, he helped... He assisted, I think, in building an empire up to its pinnacle and then brought it crumbling down. Yeah, from the pinnacle to the pit. He was 47 when he died. Yep. Like, he didn't even live half a century 
And he did that. And it started the, what, 37 when he was 37 with the monk? With yeah, the, he, with the and on- it, it was his last 10, 15 years of life that yeah. he got power. He had the best 10 years of his life. Yeah. That's crazy that he was able to accomplish that in that span of time. Oh, yeah. So it's, so if you are ever got big ambitions, it's never too late. Think Rasputin. Well, mm, mm. don't think like Rasputin. There's only two ways to think like Rasputin. One with your brain, one with your other head. No, with your person. Exactly. <laughs> so I think we'll end this episode on a teaser because I know what you're planning on doing, you dick. You you person. This is episode three, and so we have two more episodes until a very special episode that I am way too excited about. So I, I'm i going to volunteer this information. I say for episode four, we do one that I love talking about. It's probably one of my top two favorite cryptids. Okay. Um, I say we talk about the Jersey Devil Ooh. or... The famous Loch Ness. Those would be very good ones. I would have to go with Jersey Devil because that one, I can actually, I know I can find some stuff about the people. Yeah. I can find a lot about the people. Just give me time on that one. I say we do one of those or we find some other cryptid between then and there and then episode five. So I will keep you up. I will keep you all, uh, what's the word? In suspense? In suspense. I'll keep you all in suspense about episode five is until we get done with episode four. So, I'll give one hint. Mm-hmm. I am, I love hearing about serial killer, like, stats-wise. Like, I'm weird like that. Like, I like their, you know, their free yeah. throw percentage. But Make it past, m- past the numbers yep. is where I start getting squeamish and yep. where I start, like, I'll lose interest, but I start shying away. All right. I will say this. So what we're going to do, what we're going to do is every five episodes, so 5, 10, 15, 20, go on, we, by we, I mean me, I will be doing an episode on a serial killer, and it will be a whole event, all just to watch Tony freak out, because he knows a little bit about them, but not nearly as much as I do. This is all revenge for the Frogman thing, isn't it? No, I have this planned out. Like, the second I... I have this planned because I want to talk about serial killers because there's some mysticism behind them, but there's also just the fact that there's a lot of what the fuck. Yeah. Like, I know... I know Gacy was a clown, and I know Bundy had a beetle, like a Volkswagen beetle. Yeah. That's... I've watched the documentaries and the movies, and none of it retains. I will say this. We will not be... I will not be covering... John Wayne Gacy or Ted Bundy, just because they both have their big specials and documentaries mm-hmm. that have been picked clean to the bone. So those ones will stay out, but a lot of others, they're free reign. Not looking forward to that at all. But when we get there, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> if I don't go missing between episode five and six, it's Tim's fault. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.